Hello, and welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is your host, Casey Maluli, and this is episode 367. This week, we're going to talk about a Wall Street Journal article by one of our favorite writers here in the office, Jason Zweig, and we're just going to jump right into it. Hope you enjoy. Do you want to talk about the that article that Jason Zweig put out today? We're going to talk about what everyone else is talking about. I don't want to say the word, but I'm going to. Inflation. <laughs> What's I've I've heard for 35 years that gold is the best hedge for inflation. It was that one time in the 70s, and ever since then it hasn't been. So I mean, yeah, whatever you say. But then uh, I've also heard recently that. Buh, 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 buh. Yeah. <laughs> I've also heard that... But Peter Schiff told me. Oh, yeah. I've also heard that crypto is an inflation hedge. And that, I mean, all of these crypto assets have just cratered in the last few weeks. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, the best hedge that they have for inflation may already be in their investment account. Yeah, stocks. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I think we wrote a blog post about that. Uh, the other week. Funny how that happens. Yep. So head on over and check that out. We'll link to it in the show notes. We'll definitely link that up. But uh, so Jason's why wrote about a specific area of the inflation narrative that's going on lately, and that is tips or Treasury inflation protection securities. Yeah. So these are bonds that quote unquote fight inflation. And over the first six months of 2021. They've brought in $36 billion in new assets, which is a record amount for TIPS-related bond funds. I would say probably without even looking, the next closest period of time where these investments brought in so much money was in March, uh, the first quarter of 2009. Were these around in the 70s? No. They were created. So in, that's why gold did so well. Yeah, right. No so they they were created in the in the 90s. Uh, they didn't really go anywhere. Uh, the first couple of years they came out, I actually bought them for clients, but we didn't have any inflation, and so they didn't really go anywhere. And they returned less in terms of coupon than a regular treasury would. So they were really not fantastic investments, but they were I think, safe. I think people probably have had that experience more or less every time they've bought them since then because yeah. inflation has never really been that high since their inception. Uh, expectations for inflation, those come around quite often, but but the actual results of it and, and therefore the bearing out of tips being valuable because of inflation I don't. I don't know that that whole that whole thing has sounded good many times since the '90s, but has it ever actually been good as good as advertised? That kind of ties in with with what I was saying. That people thought with all of this money printing and quantitative easing that was going on after 2008 that we would have massive inflation, hyperinflation, public, yeah. right? And so. Uh, Tips saw, at the time, comparatively speaking, a huge inflow of funds. Nothing like what we're seeing now, $36 billion, uh, going into these. And it's not just uh, tips. There's a couple of these different inflation-protected securities that you can buy. Right. So these funds are offering or claiming to offer 
six, seven, eight percent yields. The point of of Jason Zweig's post is to point out that those aren't really what you're getting. Those yields, those yields aren't aren't real. So, how do these funds? How are these funds able to advertise those types of yields when they're not real? This is really messy. And we talked about doing this on a video, and I thought it was going to be a little too complicated to cover in a you know four-minute video. And so we've got a you know a, a a little extra time to talk about this on a podcast. But the actual cash flow yield that you get is nothing compared to what's advertised as the SEC yield. And the SEC yield was created. I'm foggy on the date, but it was about 15 or 20 years ago to help show potential investors in funds what the what the return ought to be on these investments. Because there was a situation in the late 80s and through the 90s where bond funds in particular were advertising double digit returns. And people thought that they were actually going to get 11% from a corporate bond fund or a, or a treasury fund because they were showing that the investors were getting a 5, 6, or 7% coupon plus the appreciation. You know, as bond rates go down, the value of the bonds go up. And so they tried to put this SEC yield together to differentiate what you're what you actually ought to be getting in terms of your returns. Now what's happening with these tips is a little different. Could you could you elaborate a little bit on that for us? So the the whole idea what's happening with the tips is you get a certain amount of cash flow. It's not very sexy and it's pretty similar to what you're going to get on treasuries. But the principal resets based on the consumer price index, based on the rate of inflation. And so what they're seeing is a principal reset. And that's getting added into the SEC yield. And so while these tips or different ETFs that in, invest in these treasury inflation protected securities are throwing off maybe you know 40 basis points 50 basis points less than one percent in terms of your cash flow they're advertised with an sec yield of six percent eight percent i think one of them is nine mm. so, so they're, that they're following the rules for how how you calculate the sec yield but it's not a perfect measure and so that's why when you look at bond funds mutual funds ETFs in particular, you're going to see several different ways that they report to you the yield that you should be getting. And so this is one of them. And the reason there are several of them is because none of them in particular is perfect, right. in my opinion, at least. So I think like the, the takeaway for me was everybody knows where interest rates are. And if you're seeing either fixed income investments or stocks with dividends that are significantly higher than market rate, it should be fishy to you and there's going to be a reason why that is the case and it's either going to be some kind of weird discrepancy with the math like this or the fact that you're just taking an inordinate amount of risk to obtain a higher yield like right. there's no there's no magic 8% yielding securities out there on the market today it's just not it's just not it's not possible right. it's not happening yeah you may, it may feel People like you, you you found the the secret bonds that still 8% for a bond? Like, can I just get a safe 8% somewhere? Yeah. 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 
I deserve a safe eight percent. Where can I? Where yes. can I get that? Safe eight. Yeah. <laughs> get out of here with that. Yeah. So. And in in many cases, the actual when you measure the dollars that you get, your your cash flow, it's negative. It's a negative return. Yeah. It also speaks to, I know we've kind of highlighted this before, but we're not owning bonds to collect seven, six, seven, eight percent. We're owning bonds as a buffer to our stock sleeve of the allocation. As, as I said to someone on the phone the other day, it's uh, the reason why we own bonds is because it's bowling with bumpers. All right. I like that. Some alliteration in there, too. Thank you. Yeah, b- bonds are not the inflation hedge of your portfolio. And right. so I would just sit, like... We like when things fulfill their role, and it would be great to have a portfolio, like a piece of the portfolio that did it all, but that's not how it works. So stocks are there to hedge against inflation and to, and to make sure you get the growth you need for your plan to work. Bonds are there to preserve principal and make sure that the account's not so volatile that you can't handle it and to fund cash flows that are you know coming up in the next few years. And that's why they marry together like peanut butter and jelly. Like they're, they're just great great components of uh, the portfolio there. And I think it, it's worth keeping that in mind because if obviously if we could have something that did both of those, that'd be perfect. And we would invest in that all the time. But uh, short of that, you need to pair things up uh, appropriately. You mean like structured notes? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If some if somebody's promising, it, it kind of reminds me of how we talk about uh, like variable annuities in many cases. Yeah. It's like, okay, you have insurance and you have investments, and they can both serve a role for a financial plan. People need to insure risks that they're not capable of otherwise bearing on their own. Great, buy insurance for that. Investments are investments. Like you, you invest for a reason, so, so do that. And do not combine those two things. And so, yeah, when you try to combine inflation hedge and you know safety, I think you get the worst of both worlds, meaning like high fees and complexity and just garbage. Yeah, very well said. I think when we when we're talking about again, I don't want to hijack the the idea behind the the podcast, but you know when we're talking about things like annuities and structured notes and crazy stuff like that, if they were that great, why are they offering it to you? And why are they paying somebody five percent to sell it to you? In some cases, nine percent. Yeah. To sell it to you. Yeah. So it can't be that good. Yeah, you got to be on the lookout, and it's it's another. I'm really beating the drum on what we say all the time here, but you got to know what you own and you got to look under the hood and do your homework and ask questions and really pick apart these, uh, these different types of securities because they're not always, uh, as, as advertised. So you definitely got to be careful there. It's interesting though, because the SEC yield, I was going to make a joke while you were talking about that and say that so that means that the SEC, it's stamped with the SEC's approval, right? Well, the <laughs> SEC approved it, so that means it must be real. Wow. Um, it's confusing, though, and people it, it probably is. think that. People look at it and they say, well, this has got to be the gospel. Right. Because the SEC has basically said this is how you calculate the returns. But it's extremely misleading to, to look at that. And so I was just about to ask the both of you, who do you think is buying these funds? Is Powell. Are the, are the buy, yeah, Powell. <laughs> are, are these folks that are buying these investments, are they just people on their own who are finding this and thought they've discovered a pot of gold? 
Or are these financial advisors who are luring people into this kind of stuff? Now, I'm not saying that these things are bad. They're not. But they have a role. Uh, yeah, but they're misleading in terms of when they cite return uh, yields that are six, seven, eight percent. That's just wrong. I'm sure there are some people buying it because of that, but you know, I think I think for the most part, people are buying tips because they think inflation is going to be high and they want yeah. to preserve their it's a their principal. And uh, and I yeah, it's anybody's guess as to whether that will play out well for them or not. But uh, I know how it's turned out for the last. 30 plus years for people who have done that. So, I mean, maybe it'll be different this time. I think people uh, in general tend to lose their minds when we start talking about inflation because they, it's, it's invisible. They can't see it. The only place that they do see it is at the grocery store or at the gas pump or when they're trying to buy a house and they see this. Or a used car. Right. Uh, so they see this price appreciation for no good reason. But, you know, the point that we try to drive home with people is if you are investing in companies, companies that can, yeah, they've got to pay their employees more money, of course, but they can also raise their prices to keep up with the cost of their materials and still maintain a healthy profit margin. That may be the single best hedge against inflation that you could find. Agreed. But I think people forget that. They're like, we got to have crypto. We got to have gold. Stocks. Yeah. Stocks are the way to go. And that's going to do it for episode 367 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. We hope you got some good takeaways from this one. And we'll see you for 368. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast.